God's, about God's love and His grace towards us. But uh, as we uh, pr- prepare tonight for the uh, message this evening, I'm going to talk to you about setting the sail. But before that, I'll share a little bit with you about our ministry and I encourage you, if you, if you would, uh, you can um, take one of our prayer cards, you can put it up on your refrigerator, you can throw darts at the picture on the back side, uh, whatever you choose to do. But I would ask that you'd pray for us as we go forward in our evangelistic ministry. Um, God's uh, starting to open doors of uh, how He would uh, launch uh, and uh, promote, continue to promote that ministry, and so we're excited about what God's doing in those areas. But our goal is really to, um, there's different types of evangelists. Some evangelists, or would you say it would be like Billy Graham, uh, where they can just really uh, uh, cast that net and then draw lost people in. Uh, I'm not that type of evangelist. There's evangelists that are prophetic evangelists, where they preach prophecy. I'm not that type of an evangelist. And there's a third type of evangelist, where they have a strengthening ministry in the church. And uh, that's the ministry that God has called us to, and uh, to strengthen God's people to continue the work. Because in Ephesians, he says that's what pastors and teachers are for, but he also says that's what evangelists are for, that they're given. Uh, they're a gift to the church for the purpose of the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, and the edifying of the body. And uh, what we seek to do is to exalt Jesus. I bet Jesus said that if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men to me. Uh, so we want to exalt the Lord first, but we also want to edify God's people. That's the building up of God's people. We want to build them up, but we also want to encourage them, which is shoring them up, uh, if you will, to continue to support them as they go, but also to exhort them, which is to fire them up. Uh, so that's what we seek to do through that ministry, and uh, it's called a glimpse of glory. We um, will do uh, Bible conferences, um, a few uh, different themes for Bible conferences. Is One is Rethink, uh, which has to do with reclaiming the Christian mind. Uh, it's a series of preachings and teachings to reclaim that mind because Satan, uh, while he can't uh, uh, blind the mind of the saved, he seeks to blind the mind of the unsaved, but Satan can corrupt the mind of the saved, of God's people. So we want to see God's people reclaim that Christian mind, the mind of Christ in their life, Another is to uh, uh, rejoice, which is reclaiming the Christian heart. You know, uh, Jesus' desire is that his joy would be full in you, amen? Uh, now, that joy is not something the world can offer. Uh, that's happiness that the world offers, but happiness goes up and down with circumstances. But Jesus' joy is that inner calmness and delight that no matter what circumstances are going on, his joy strengthens you and helps to lead you through life. So uh, if you would, take a, a card, prayer card. If you've got questions for us, we'd be glad to answer it. And uh, you can take one of these. And again, uh, please do be praying for us, for me and my family, as we continue to launch that ministry and uh, seek how God would use us in that way. Ultimately, what we want to see is revival happen in God's churches. Amen. Amen. Uh, The Word of God in Ephesians, he says that uh, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. And that glory only comes by God's people that through Jesus being manifest in their life. So go ahead and open your Bibles this evening to Hebrews chapter 10. We'll look at uh, a few areas of Scripture. If you mark Hebrews chapter 10, but also in your Scripture, uh, I'm kind of a pastor or preacher-teacher, and uh, tonight will be a little bit of both. What will we have more of, preaching or teaching? I don't know. We'll just see what God uh, does with it. But as we look into the Word of God tonight in Hebrews chapter 10, 
Um, also in your Bibles, if you would, Mark John chapter 21. We'll be flipping there in a little bit. I encourage you to follow along in the Word of God uh, tonight. And uh, don't take my word for it, but you search those things out for yourself and see if they're so. Uh, tonight as we look into the Word of God in the uh, beginning chapter of Hebrews chapter 10, uh, the Word of God is considered to be a mirror. Uh, that when we look into it, we'll see a reflection. And uh, have you ever been in a, uh, a restaurant or maybe a hotel uh, maybe it's in your house, wherever it may be, uh, where there's a mirror at the end of the hallway. Uh, sometimes longer uh, restaurant bathrooms will have a mirror at the end of the hall, whatever it might be. But uh, have you ever walked past one of those mirrors and you just kind of glance in it real quick and you're like, eh, you know, I look okay, I look fine. But then you get on going past and you get up a little bit closer and you're like, whoa, I missed something, right? Uh, sometimes you can look good from afar, but far from a good, you know what I mean? Uh, maybe you dated somebody like that one time, I don't know. But when we get into the Word of God, we don't want to be glancers in the Word of God. Uh, we don't want to just take a quick look at it and then to move on. We actually want to gaze into the Word of God because that's when we'll see Jesus. And when we see Jesus, that's what changes us because we're changed from glory to glory. And tonight in the scriptures of Hebrews chapter 10, when you think about a mirror, uh, I want you to <clears throat> ask the Lord as we'll uh, read his word, but when we pray, I want you to ask the Lord in your heart, just ask him to show you some things tonight from the word of God through the spirit of God. Let's stand together and we'll honor the reading of God's word. Hebrews chapter 10. Let's start in uh, verse 38, if you would, please. He says, now the just shall live by faith. That's the first time the word now has appeared before the just shall live by faith. He says, now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition. Uh, just want to build some thoughts right there. He says, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. To draw back doesn't mean that you're, you can lose your salvation. To draw back means that they're, uh, they're going backwards when they should be going forwards. Because he says here in verse 39, we are not of them who draw back unto perdition. Perdition is destruction. He says, we believe unto the saving of the soul. That's a good verse for you to memorize as far as eternal security. So he's talking about uh, the, the living by faith. He says, we are not of them who draw back into perdition, verse 39, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul, verse 1 of chapter 11. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Now, would you be so kind as to jump down to verse 32 of the same chapter? He says, And what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon, of Barak, and of Samson, and of Jephthah, and of David also, and Samuel, and of the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens, women received their dead, raised to life again. Boy, if that's a faith you'd like, would you say amen? Boy, that's an awesome uh, opportunity and experience that they've had. But now look, verse 35, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others, 
had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and in caves of the earth. I don't see many Christians signing up for a faith journey that looks like that today. But look, verse 39, and all, and these all, that's important, isn't it? These all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, it's your word. Lord, this is your day. We're thankful for your presence in our life. Uh, Lord, I ask you to help me to preach your word tonight and to teach your word in a way that's going to glorify you, in a way that will help edify your people to encourage them. I pray that if there's anybody here that doesn't know you as Savior, that today might be a day of salvation. Lord, we ask for your blessing upon tonight. Bless your people for the reading of your word. Lord, we ask you to open our eyes and help you to ask you to show us through the power of your spirit uh, areas in our life that might need to be changed. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Please be seated. When you think about that text of scripture, he, he, says, to, he says that these all obtained a good report by faith. It's almost like a faith sandwich. In the early part of the verse, he says the elders obtained a good report. All from that point on to the end verse that we read, it's like a faith sandwich. Because all the things that are taking place in between is a picture of what took place in those people's faith journey. At the end of it, he said, and these all having obtained a good report by faith, through faith. But when you look at their lives, boy, one was in an extreme one way where they saw their dead raised to life. They, they, they quenched violence. Uh, they, 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 they tore down kingdoms. They experienced great supernatural things. Then the other side, and it said on others, boy, their faith journey didn't seem like it was just so fantastic. <laughs> uh, sometimes in life, things don't turn out like you think they should. And we get disappointed when things don't turn out like they, we think they should. But you know what? As long as I'm being obedient and walking by faith and doing what God tells me, he's the one that says I'm successful. Because the word success in the Bible only appears one time. It's in the book of Joshua. And he never says what success looks like. He just says how to be successful and prosperous. And it comes down to being obedient to God's word. That's it. The, the, the journey of what the end exactly looks like, it's all up to Jesus, amen? It's all up to Jesus. So in this text lies a question that I want to build some thoughts around tonight. One, what does it mean to have a good report? And two, how in the world do we get a good report? When you get saved, uh, you enroll in the school of faith. Now, we're the students of faith. The Bible is the textbook of faith. Life is the tests of faith. <laughs> the end of our life, guess what? That's the results of our faith. That's when we get the good report. You could go on and say that Abraham is the dean of the school of faith, if you wanted to, the father of the faith. The word report here in our text, in verses 2 and in the latter verse of chapter 11, means uh, we get the word martyr from it. But it doesn't mean to be killed. It means to be a witness a testimony that is well reported of. Now, this isn't a testimony that the world gives you because the world says that the preaching of the cross is foolishness. So it's not a testimony that the world says about you. This is a testimony of what God says about you at the end of your journey. I think that's very important as children of God. It doesn't matter what people say about you. Amen? It doesn't matter what people say about you. What matters is what God says about you. That's the most important 
So it's not a testimony of the world, but a testimony of what God says about your walk of faith. He says, so by faith, the elders obtained a good report. I believe that it would be beneficial for our time tonight to be used this evening to allow the Holy Spirit to examine our walk of faith, to show us where we might need some spiritual adjustment, to show us where we might be out in some areas and allow the Lord to to bring us back into a place. He says here in our opening text, if you would look with me at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 38, he says, Now the just shall live by faith. In three other areas of Scripture, in Galatians 3.11, Romans 1.17, and Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4, he says, the just shall live by faith. But this is the first time in the Scriptures that the word now is put before that phrase. In the other areas of the Scripture, he's talking about how to be just before God. Are you just before God? If you stand before God, do you, would you be just before Him? That's a good question, isn't it? He says, now the just shall live by faith. So this area of Scripture is actually dealing with a person that is already saved. It's interesting that he points that out three times. To be just is to be innocent, to be not guilty. (laughs) You know, when you think of being declared just, it's not a work that you do. It's not a work that I can do. It's not a work that any person can do. When you think about Christmas, yes, it could be to Christmas message. When you think about the purpose of Jesus for his coming to take away the sins of the world, when he was born in that manger, he was wrapped in that swaddling cloth. I was reminded of this last night. He was wrapped in that swaddling cloth. (laughs) You know, really, when you think about the manger, it wasn't a pole barn-ish looking building. It was probably a cave that was similar to a tomb. (laughs) The day that Jesus rose from that grave, he left them old swaddling cloths behind behind him, didn't he? He didn't have no grave clothes. He had on grace clothes. You know, when you think about the whole purpose of Jesus' coming, it was to die for the sins of mankind so the person through faith could be declared just before God, all because of what he's done. (laughs) I don't know about you, but that just brings joy to my heart to think that because of faith in Jesus Christ, because of what he did at Calvary, (laughs) shed his blood, was dead, buried, and raised three days later, because of what he did... When I accept him as my Savior, I'm declared just before God based on his work. Romans 5.1 says, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God. That's wonderful. Wonderful to think about. You know, <clears throat> there's an uh, old story about a king. Maybe you've heard it before, I don't know. But a king set a new decree in the land. Uh, they were having some problems in a specific area of his uh, kingdom. And he had to set a new law with him and his uh, people. And as they wrote this new decree out, they said, anybody that breaks this law from this point forward will now receive 50 lashings. I don't care who it is, what time it is, it makes no difference to me. We are setting this in order. So they signed the decree and set this in order. The kingdom was going fine for quite a while. And uh, then one of his associates had come up to him and said, your majesty, uh, we have someone that has broken this law. And he says, well, bring them in. He said, I, I don't think you understand, your majesty. And he says, I told you to bring them in. He says, if, you would, if it would please you just to give me one minute to tell you something. And the king had said, okay, what do you have to say? He said, it's your mother. And the king said, oh. He stood there for a minute, and he said, well, go ahead and bring her in. And as he brought uh, his mother in, He said, I need you to to bow before you're going to have to receive these lashings. You've broken the law. 
And as his mother comes in, she's weeping, and you could see in the king's face that he was weeping as well because he didn't want to have to do what he put into effect. But in order for him to be a, a true king, someone that's true to his word and someone that would trust him, a man that would be sticking to his word, he had to fulfill what he set into place, or else he'd be a liar and nobody would believe what he had to say anymore. So as his mother took his place, he'd, he'd gotten that whip, and he came up to her, and he grabbed her arm, and he picked her up, and he said, I want you to go and sit down. And then he took that whip and he gave it to his associate and then he took off his shirt and then he kneeled down and he said, I'll take her lashings. Do you realize that's exactly what Jesus Christ did for you? God is true. He's holy. He's righteous. He's faithful. He's the one that came and took our place and took our beating, took our condemnation, everything. He became sin who knew no sin. Why? So we could be declared just by faith through him. And that's something. Well, that'll just bring your heart joy. So I want to ask you that question. Are you just? If you stood before God, would God say, would he see the blood of his son? Or would he see you? Friend, if you're not saved, you can be declared just through faith. Through faith. In the work that Jesus Christ did at Calvary. It's just a matter of you choosing Jesus. When you think about the day that you got saved, if you're saved, say Amen. When you think about the day you got saved, uh, David said that he hath pulled me out of a horrible pit. He hath pulled me out of the miry clay and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. You realize what God did the day you got, God did the day you got saved? He set you on a course. He set you on a journey. He established your goings. So he's charted you a course. Through the word of God, we can find out what that course is. God begins to reveal his plan to you as you continue to walk with him and seek his face through prayer, through Bible study, through uh, your fellowship and attendance in the church. God begins to speak to your heart. I'm sure you've experienced those things that God is moving in your heart and leading you in different ways, ways that you never would have thought before. That's God charting your course. Bible says that man, a man's heart directeth his ways, but the Lord directeth his steps. When you think about a charted course, I want you to do me a favor tonight. I'm not going to scare you, but just for one second, would you do something for me? Would you close your eyes? Just close your eyes. What do you see? Nothing, right? Go ahead and open them back up. Do you realize that's what God works with? That's the canvas that God uses, is nothing. When he created the world, he's the only one that can create something out of nothing. You had nothing to offer God the day you got saved, but he created something from nothing. Amen? You don't, have, you don't know what lies ahead. You can't see it. But God does. He can create something from nothing. And it's through faith, through Him. He says, now the just shall live by faith. There's an authority in the believer's life that must be there as they journey on. Look with me at our text. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, verses 3. He says, through faith we understand. There's an authority. <laughs> see, it's when you stand under the Word of God that you'll begin to understand the Word of God. If the Word of God is not the authority in your life, you're going to have a lot more problems than you should have. When the Word of God is the authority, when we stand under the Word of God, we will begin to understand and God begins to unfold His plan and we begin to see what He's doing. There's that submission and obedience in the, in the born-again person's life. Uh, when you think with me about the day that you got saved, just go back in that little place. You should have a place. Uh, if you don't have a place that you got saved, that's, that's not good. 
There should be a place that you know that you met Jesus. You know, we can remember a lot of things. I remember baseball players that I met when I was a kid. I can remember uh, getting autographs as a kid from famous people. I can, I can remember almost what I was wearing. I can almost remember the smell, which I might not want to, of the baseball fields, you know, the Red Stadium uh, back in those days. But you know, you can, you've got those memories of when something special happened in your life. The same thing should be in your memory with the day that you met Jesus. If you don't have that, then that's not good. Because you didn't meet just a famous person. You met God in the flesh that day. That's important. That's important. When you think about the day that you received Jesus, something had to happen. At some point in your life, you had to hear the word of God. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God, Romans 10, 17 says. There had to be a time in your life, maybe you heard it many times as a little kid, uh, growing up in church or in and out of church, maybe a friend took you, maybe somebody shared the gospel with you, but somewhere along the way, maybe you've heard it once, maybe you've heard it several times, somewhere along the way, you have heard about Jesus, you've heard about his sacrifice, you heard the word of God. You didn't understand it, neither could you explain it. Do you know what I knew about salvation the day that I got saved? Nothing. I understood nothing. All that I knew was is that Jesus died for me, that he was buried, and that he rose again, and that I was a sinner. That's all that I knew. That's all that I knew. That's all that I needed to know. When you think about the work that God did when you're looking back, you heard the word of God. Then the Holy Spirit of God began to bring conviction upon your heart. You didn't recognize it. You didn't know what it was. You just had that heaviness about you, about things. That's conviction of the Holy Spirit. God was drawing you to him. He was revealing himself to you. Then it brought you to a point to where you had to choose. Do I believe what God is saying about me? Do I believe what God is saying about who he is? And at that point, you had to make a decision, either yes or no. The day that you received Jesus, you said yes, and you were set on a new course. Can I encourage you with something tonight? As you look at your course Your life maybe hasn't turned out like you want it to. And sometimes as people, uh, we can grow up in a background that sometimes in home life, sometimes just in school or society, where you just don't feel loved. And inside, you have something going on inside of you where you really don't like yourself. You don't like what you see. And it really brings you to a place where sometimes you wonder and begin to question how God really sees you. But I want to encourage you tonight, through the, from the day that you got saved, this has been God's point of view of you. Go with me in your Bible to Ephesians. Wonderful verse. Go in your Bible to Ephesians. Keep your place in Hebrews. Go in your Bible to the book of Ephesians. Look with me at, at a couple verses here. Look with me at Ephesians chapter 1. Let's look at uh, verses 3 and 4. So let's look at verse 3 first. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Do you know what the word blessed means there? It doesn't mean the word happy. It actually comes from the word we get eulogy. It means to speak well of. He says, Speak well of be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath spoken well of us with all spiritual blessings. A eulogy is something that is said at one's death, though, isn't it? (laughs) Do you realize that if you're saved, God is always speaking well of you? On your best day, 
and on your worst day. Do you realize how important that is? And how that will change your thinking and the outlook of your day? But do you realize why he can say it? Because the day that you got saved, the old man died and there's a new creature inside of you. Amen? Now think about this. (laughs) Uh, When when Jesus was getting baptized, uh, the Holy Spirit was descending upon him and the Father cried out from heaven. (laughs) He said, this is my son. Listen. In whom I am well pleased. If you're saved, you're in Jesus and he's in you. He's always pleased with you. But listen, as a parent, I don't always like the decisions my kids make. But that doesn't mean I'm not pleased with them because they're my children. I love them always. I'm never going to speak bad about my child. Why? Because they're my flesh and my blood. They may make decisions that I don't like and that I don't agree with, but I'm still going to love them and I'm not going to speak bad of them because they're my children. See, in our course of faith, God may always be pleased with us in our position. He's pleased with who we are because of what Christ has done for us and what we received. But that doesn't mean that he's pleased with our walk. There's a difference. Because that's what he's saying here in our context of Scripture tonight. He says that uh, his soul is not pleased with those that draw back. When you think about the day you got saved, what took place. Somewhere along the line, you heard the Word of God. The Holy Spirit of God was then moving uh, in in your life, drawing you to Jesus. He's bringing you conviction upon you. And the day that you received Jesus Christ, uh, it just transformed your life. Do you realize that the same way that you got saved is the same way you're supposed to walk? By faith. (laughs) You hear the Word of God. The Holy Spirit of God moves in your heart. So then you make a decision to respond to what God is doing in your life. The same way that you got saved is the same way that you're supposed to walk. It's not rocket science. It's right there in the Word of God. He says, now the just shall live by faith. That we listen to what God is saying. We respond to what God is saying. We don't understand it. We can't foresee what's happening. But then we move in faith. And guess what? God is pleased. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. Look back with me at our main text of Scripture, Hebrews chapter 10 and chapter 11 as well, as we get into this area. Uh, John Wycliffe or Wesley had said this. He said, God is the only one that can create something from nothing. And until a man becomes nothing, God can do nothing with the man. That's true, isn't it? You know, times in life, God will bring you to a place where (laughs) you become nothing because he loves you, because he loves you. You know, as we get into this area of Scripture, God's charted you a course the day you got saved. And he's begun revealing that course to you. So let's take some time and let's check the course. Look with me at our text. Verse 38, chapter 10. Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. The word draw back is actually a nautical term. It's a sailing term. It means to furl the sail. Uh, When somebody is out on a ship, when they get ready to pull into harbor, uh, or if they don't like the direction that they're going, sometimes what they'll do is they'll do what's called furling the sail. They'll take that sail and they'll bring it down and they'll wrap it around the pole. What they would also do is when they come into harbor and that ship docks, they would take that sail down from its mast and they would fold it up and put it away. 
That's what he's saying about this area of situation, that furling the sail is folding up that sail and not allowing the Holy Spirit of God to move you continually. He says, if any man draw back, they furl the sail, if you will, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. You know, there's three men in the Bible that I can think of that furled the sail. (laughs) But do you know what? Here's the good news. They finished their course well. And they had a good report. I'm going to take you back on a little bit of a journey through the Old Testament and through the New Testament about three men that furled the sail. First, I want you to think with me about Abraham. Abraham, God called Abraham out of the land of of Ur of Chaldeans uh, when Abraham was 70 years old. Uh, Abraham had left that land, started following God as God was leading him. uh, He brought Abraham to a place. Uh, he was going to lead Abraham uh, into that, that, uh, that, that city, that, that place that he uh, had for him. And as God was leading Abraham, Abraham was following God. Things were going well in his life. Then Abraham comes to a place in his journey. And in the place in his journey, there was a great famine, the Bible says, that came on. Well, what did Abraham do? Abraham went down into Egypt. Abraham chose to not stay where God had put him. This is very important. God brought Abraham to a place that he had prepared for him. But then when something came into Abraham's life that he didn't like, what happened? (laughs) Abraham made a decision to go a different way. And he went down into Egypt. Egypt was south of where Abraham was. Furling the sail will always take you south, by the way. It will always take you to a place that you don't want to go. Moses, think with me about Moses. Moses, a wonderful man of God. In the book of Acts... It says that Moses was learned uh, with the wisdom of all the Egyptians. Moses grew up in Pharaoh's house. Moses has a, God had a great plan for Moses' life. You can begin to see it unfold in Moses' life when you study out the book of Exodus. Uh, Moses, this man of God, uh, says that it entered into his heart to visit his brethren. Well, as Moses visited his brethren, maybe you know the biblical record of what happened. When Moses saw his brethren being beat up and smitten by an Egyptian, what did Moses do? Moses reacted, didn't he? He he didn't like seeing what was happening to his brother, so Moses reacted and went in to that area and handled it himself. (laughs) You know what Moses did? Moses used all that worldly wisdom and handled a spiritual problem with worldly wisdom. You can't ever have victory, or experience victory, I should say, You can't experience victory with worldly wisdom. Spiritual problems need spiritual wisdom. Then Moses furled his sail and spent the next 40 years on the backside of the desert. I want you to think with me about a man named Peter. You know about Peter. Wonderful man of God. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, with me. It's very interesting about Peter's life when he furled the sail. Abraham went south. Moses went south. Peter went south. Go with me to Luke, if you would. Uh, Chapter uh, 5, I believe it is, here in the Scriptures. Jesus is now preaching that the kingdom of God is, is... He's preaching the kingdom of God. And he's preaching to a group of people out of the ships in a place of the Sea of Galilee. Now, the Sea of Galilee was a huge sea. Around the Sea of Galilee would be other cities. So when you see, like uh, one of them was, uh, I think it was Tiberias was the city's name. When the Bible, when you see uh, this, it'll, it'll say like the, the lake or uh, Sea of Tiberias. Well, the Sea of Tiberias is the same sea as the Sea of Galilee. It's only called Tiberias because it's associated with the city. So that's important as we get into this text. Look with me here at verse Five, chapter, chapter 5, verse 1. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Genesaret, 
and saw two ships standing by the lake. But the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, that's Simon Peter, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word I will let down the net. And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes in their net break. You know what the rest of the story, Peter cries out and says, Oh, Lord. <laughs> now, this same siege in Esserat is the same sea uh, that he heard him preaching the gospel at at first. It's interesting because when you look in people's lives, have you ever experienced in your own life that the same problem keeps happening but in different situations? The same thing kind of keeps festering up and coming around, but it involves different people. It involves different scenarios. It involves maybe even different cities or maybe different situations. But it's like that same problem always keeps coming around and around and around. There's circles all through the Bible. Did you know that? Here's what I want you to do tonight. In your Bible, in the front of your Bible, it's not wrong to write in your Bible, but in the front of your Bible on a piece of paper that you'll keep, here's what I want you to do. I want you to put a little dot, if you would. Just put a little dot. And on that dot, what I want you to do is that I want you to take and just make a half a circle. Just make a half a circle. We'll get to the end of it here in just a little bit. Philippians 1.6 says, Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will continue it until the day of Jesus Christ. In these men's lives, they all made decisions. The Sea of Galilee, the Lake of Genesaret, and the Sea of Tiberias are all the same sea. Jesus told Peter, he said, let down your nets for a draught. And he did. Oh, man. And then just wonderful things began to happen. He said, come after me. Peter did. You know, When you think about the course that God has for you, how he's charted you a specific course, and as you check that course, in your faith journey, have you furled the sail somewhere? Has God been leading you in a certain way to do something and you've said, no, I'm not going to do that? Maybe, maybe it's baptism, I don't know. Maybe you got saved, but you've never been baptized. Well, don't furl that sail. God commands you to get baptized. You need to get baptized. Be obedient. Don't furl the sail. It'll take you to places you never want to go. Maybe God's called you to witness to a certain coworker or a friend, and you've put it off, and you've put it off, and you've put it off. Maybe it's a family member. Family members are the hardest ones to witness to. I don't know. I'm just giving examples. But when God speaks to you specifically, and he tells you something from his word, <laughs> and you don't respond to it, what you're doing is furling the sail. You're saying no. There's a picture of it in the Old Testament. In the book of Ezekiel, I believe it is. I can't tell you the chapter. I'd have to look after service, but I'd be glad to. He speaks of that Israel is backslidden as a backslidden heifer. <laughs> now, uh, about uh, three or four months ago at uh, my home church, we were having a rodeo and a big fall family day. And my pastor, uh, he likes cattle. And uh, one of his cows had gotten out. Actually, all three of them had gotten out. 
And I was going around picking up trash and doing some different things, and I was driving around in the golf cart or gator or whatever they were, and I see him. He's got this cow. He's got it by the meat of the ears. And man, he has given it all he's got, and he's pulling on this thing and pulling on this thing, and you can see it in his face that he's given it all he's got, but this cow ain't budging. I was laughing. I didn't stop to help him. I just kept on going. I probably should have stopped, but uh, this is what it is. Too late now. He's all right. Uh, but, but this cow, it just wouldn't budge. And as you watch that cow, what would happen is, as he pulled on the cow and tried to get the cow to come forward, that cow would take its hoof and it would put it right into the ground. And it would, the cow would be pushing this way, and the preacher was pulling this way. Well, when pastor would let up, that cow would go backwards. That's what it means to furl the sail and to draw back. God is pushing you forward in faith. And as you resist him, what you're actually doing is you're pushing. And then when God lets up, you go backwards. That's really, in essence, what it means to be backslidden. You can be backslidden and be in church. You can be faithful and you can be backslidden. Furling that sail, it'll take you places where you don't want to go. Maybe you're in that place tonight with whatever God's been saying to you. It means to draw back. And it brings you to a place to where it actually hinders fellowship with the Lord. But let's look at continuing the course. I want to take you back to those stories of these men. Look with me at the scripture. Go back to Hebrews chapter 11. Let's look at some things. In our text of scripture, (laughs) it says that uh, here in verse 8 of chapter 11, now remember, uh, Abraham furled the sail and he drew back. Verse 8, it says, By faith Abraham, when he was called out to go into a place which he should after and receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out not knowing whither he went. It was by faith, wasn't it? He even furled the sail as he went out in faith. Now look with me to that same text. Go over to verse 23. By faith Moses, when he was born, he was hid three months of his parents. Now verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. (laughs) Now turn the page. Look at verse 39. And these all having obtained a good report through faith. You know how they obtained a good report? They recognized where they were at. And they responded to God and said, Lord, I don't want to keep going this way. So then they chose to continue. See, just because you might be in a place in your journey that you don't like, that doesn't mean that God's done. (laughs) Amen? It's an opportunity to respond to what God is saying because the end of your course is the most important. The Apostle Paul said that I have finished my course. Finish your course well. You may not be in a place right now that necessarily you, you think uh, that you like, but it might be where God wants you. Maybe in your life you, you've let some things go and God's speaking to you and drawing you back to continue to move forward. Then continue to move forward because guess what? Uh, five, ten years from now you might be in another place where you've drawn back a little bit. Guess what? God is faithful. Amen. He's just going to continue along on that journey because that's who he is. He wants you. He desires for you to finish your course well. I want you to think with me about what Abraham did. When Abraham realized where he was, you know what Abraham did? Abraham went back to the place in the beginning, (laughs) the altar at Bethel. Abraham went back. He got things right, and he continued on. You know what Moses did? (laughs) God spoke to Moses out of that burning bush, didn't he? He told Moses to go back 
to Egypt. You really see the circle? Abraham was here. He continued down. God brought him back to that same place. Moses started in Egypt, made a bad decision, came out of Egypt. God spoke to him. God brought him back full circle. Sometimes the reason we experience things full circle is because God's trying to teach us something in the middle of that circle. Because we didn't necessarily learn it right the first time. So God says you need to go back to school again. And we're going to see if you've learned what I've taught you. Look with me in the area of Scripture about Peter, what God did with Peter. It's awesome to see. Go to the Gospel of John. Gospel of John. Look with me at chapter 21. Now remember, the lake of Gennesaret was also the Sea of Galilee. Gennesaret was the city that was associated with the Sea of Galilee. Look with me here at chapter 21, verse 1. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. (laughs) Tiberias is the city. The sea is Galilee. Peter and the disciples are back in the very same place when they first met Jesus. Now look, verse 2. There were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathanael of Cana and Galilee and the sons of Devity and two others of his disciples. But now look. <laughs> Go down to verse 6. And he said unto them, this is Jesus now, cast the net on the right side of the ship and ye shall find. They cast therefore and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Now think, <laughs> what happened three years ago when they first met Jesus? Jesus said, hey, launch out your net. For a draught. And they did. Keep going. They cast, therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Go down to uh, uh, verse 8. And the other disciples came in a little from the little ship, for they were not far from land, but as it were 200 cubits dragging the net with fishes. Watch verse 9. As soon as then as they were come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid thereon and bread. Let me take you to a little journey about Peter. When Peter first met Jesus, he was obedient in those areas. Jesus warned Peter that he was going to deny him three times. Peter denied Jesus by the fire. Now, Jesus brings Peter back to the fire. And then Jesus asked Peter a question three times. He says, lovest thou me? And Peter says, yes, Lord. He asks them again, Lovest thou me? Yea, Lord. He asks them the third time, Peter, lovest thou me? And Peter said, Thou knowest. You realize what Jesus was doing with Peter? He was bringing him full circle. Peter made some mistakes on the way and he furled the sail. But God faithfully and generously, graciously and lovingly brought Peter back to a place And loved him back to the place where he could continue in faith. Because the next thing that Peter did was he preached the day of Pentecost and thousands of people got saved. So my challenge to you is this. What could God do with you? And what does he have prepared on the other side that you cannot see if you would just respond in faith and say, Yes, Lord, I will do what you want me to do. Peter was a nobody. I'm a nobody. Really, in the scheme of things, it's not meant to be offensive, but we're just people. We really have nothing to offer God. We, we don't have nothing to offer God. We don't. We didn't have anything to offer Him the day we got saved, and we really don't have anything to offer Him now. Just ourselves. Just to be used of God. 
So I want to ask you three questions that Jesus asked Peter. Do you love him? Do you love him? Do you love him? If you love him, then just respond. Trust him. I don't know what God's saying to your heart. I have no idea. I know what God's saying to mine. (laughs) But just respond to what Jesus is telling you tonight. You know, he's always pleased with you in your position. So, back to our question. (laughs) What does it mean to obtain a good report? Well, it means to walk by faith. How do we do that? We, We trust him in his word. But getting a report is this. When what is instructed to you can be said about you when you're gone. How do you know you'll get a good report? Just follow the word of God. Listen to what Jesus is telling you to do. Trust him. Keep going. Because the good report doesn't come until the end of your journey. So a good report is when what has been instructed to you can be said about you when you're gone. When you look at our text of Scripture, there were some people there that just did things that, the, that people, other people would celebrate, right? Churches would celebrate. Boy, these, they've wrought down kingdoms. They've, they've seen their dead raised to life. They would just totally lift them up and think that they were awesome. Then these other people that still walked their journey of faith, they obtained a good report, but guess what? They were stoned to death. They were tormented. They were sawn asunder, which historical records record that was Isaiah. He was put in the hollow of a tree trunk, and they sawed him in half. Think about that. Boy, it looks like their journey was just a complete failure because things didn't turn out like they wanted it to. But you know what? (laughs) A lot of people don't celebrate stuff like that. Success, according to the Bible, Jesus, the Word of God, He never tells you what success looks like. But he tells you that success is obedience. Be obedient to the word of God. Meditate on the word of God day and night. Listen to what God's telling you. Respond to what God is telling you. The results of what happens, completely up to him. Maybe you just needed some encouragement because things have happened in your life and you're like, this stinks. (laughs) You have times like that. I don't know why these things are happening. Listen, if you've been obedient... Just keep being obedient and just listen to what Jesus is telling you and trust him. Don't let that devil get into your head and try to lead you astray. You listen to what God is saying. Amen. Whatever God's spoken to your heart, let's take a minute and ask you to bow your heads tonight. Maybe you're here and you're, you're not just before God. You know that you're not.